Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We're going to start looking at repentance. and We're going to look at two ditches that people fall into. One ditch we're going to look at this morning is this idea of easy believism. So uh, fasten your seatbelts for that. We're not going to be be able to cover everything in repentance. No way in one sermon, but we are going to try to get an understanding of one aspect. And the Bible says in Romans chapter two, verse number four, or despair. Despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Romans chapter 1, and even last Sunday, we looked at judgment. We looked at all the crimes prior to that lesson at the end of chapter number 1 of mankind and just The world just soaked in sin. We looked at all that. And and, and now this starts off. Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness. You know, the Jews in Exodus 14, they they were able to escape in this parting of the Red Sea. And 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 in Exodus chapter 16, they have they have um, bread in the morning to eat in the wilderness as manna. They have quail in the evening is meat to eat and and god's given them kings and and god's given them prophets and god's given them the messiah to come and die on the cross and he's given them all that you know what they do they just they despise it they despise it they put them on the cross now the jews going to be mentioned by name when we by the time we get to verse 17 but the jew now is coming into view but i want you to think about oh All of that that they have, and you want to talk about despising the goodness of God, despising the mercy of God, despising the long-suffering of God. All that we just mentioned about what the Jew got, the Gentile doesn't have that to look back on their history. You have something, you young people, listen up. Some children, the best they have, have when they wake up is that dad sleeps in because he's overhung so bad from being drunk because they know if he gets up too early they're going to get smacked in the mouth that's the best that some kids have they come home to drunken parents and they live their life up until the time they're old enough to move out and that's all that they have if you had to grow up in that type of environment i can understand and completely agree with you on how you would despise your father or your mother if they treated you like that would you agree that's a rough road that's a rough road but you have good parents you have kind parents you have loving parents They feed you, they clothe you, they take care of you, they bring you to church, they nourish you. There's nothing to despise. 
There's nothing to despise there. The Gentiles didn't have what the Jews had. The Jews had all this deliverance from God, all these promises from God, and they just despise his goodness. It's bad. It's bad news. God is a God that is rich in goodness and in long-suffering. And, what, and, it's, and it says, or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness. That's all the daily provisions. Has God been good to you? All the daily protection. And mankind nowadays, let's bring it back to current state. After mankind is done despising God's goodness, you know what he gives them? Forbearance. Thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance. That means God is going, you despise his goodness, he's going to delay his judgment. And after they're done despising all of that, you know what God says? Then it says in his word, and long suffering, which proves they despise all that's good about God. And it proves that he's long suffering because he's not easily going to be provoked. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, but God who is rich in mercy. Was great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. We have a God that's rich in goodness, forbearance, long suffering, and in mercy. I'm sure you're like me. If an injustice is done, you get bent out of shape. Like we talked about earlier, children that are grown up in an abusive home, someone that has to suffer from the effects of someone else's drug use or alcohol use. I'm sure you're like you're like me. Uh, that sets you off. That bothers you. That gets under your skin. And I do get pretty bent out of shape when I have to hear stories of innocent being affected by those that just don't seem to care. About anybody. Not even themselves. Romans 2. Verse 4. That's not God. That drunk. God loves. That drug user. God loves. Enough to die for them. He doesn't love their sin. But you consider all the wickedness. All the darkness. All the unrighteousness. Yet. What does this verse tell us leads them to repentance? It's goodness. If you've done something awful to a close friend. And as a result of that act. That close friend of yours. Takes you out back and proceeds to beat the tar out of you. And at the end of it, you're sorry. You know why you're sorry? Because you hurt from head to toe. That's why you're sorry. <laughs> but imagine you did that awful thing to your friend. And instead of him beating the tar out of you, he extends goodness and kindness and mercy. That's more in line with the character of God. You've despised him. 
you've sinned against him. And before you came to Christ, you were on your way to a devil's hell. God's goodness led you to repentance. Somehow, some way, you got a hold of the goodness of God and saw his character in light of your character. That's why it says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We'd all do well to confess our sinnership to God. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Repentance. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Go to Luke chapter 16. How many of you heard the saying, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good? That's a pretty, you all heard that. We've all heard that at some point. That's true. God is good. God is good. Look at Luke chapter 16. I'll tell you, it don't matter how good God is. People will always take advantage of God's goodness. People will always, like we see in verse number four, they will always despise that goodness that he provides for them. And in Luke chapter number 16, look at verse number, you have the rich man. He, was he a real rich man? Was he really rich? Yeah, he was. Um, did he really die? Yeah, he did. It, for real. It's a real, real, real true story. A history we got here. Uh, the place that he went, was it real? It was real. It's a real hell. And this world wants to move away from, well, hell's not really. It's just they're really trying to illustrate something. Yeah, the illustration is that hell is real. And real people go there after they really die. And we don't want you to go there. We don't want this world to go there. That's why we preach repentance in the gospel but we we're ending up here in luke chapter 16 verse number 28 for i have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come unto this place of torment we already spoke about where we are and laid our introduction abraham saith unto him they have moses and the prophets let them hear hear them and he said nay father abraham but if one went unto them from the dead they will repent. No, they won't. <laughs> and he said unto them, he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. The one rose from the dead. There was one that rose from the dead and people still won't believe. Hell doesn't reform anybody. The devil's going to take his last shot at God. And you would think he would repent, but he ain't going to repent. God's going to move hell and he's going to cast death and hell into the lake of fire. And with the devil and all his angels and all that have followed him. And this despising of God's goodness. You have someone that rose from the dead. When you hear gospel, remember we talked about all this bad stuff that's going on with having to tell people they're a sinner and judgment and wrath and hell. None of that's good. But the resurrection is, and it ties up the gospel, making it the good news. And they have one that rose from the dead. They despise him. Don't, don't despise the goodness of God. 
You keep rejecting it. There is going to come a time when the only thing left is judgment. That's why if you're not saved, you must be born again. Do it now. Do it. Do it now rather than later, because if you die, then there's judgment. There isn't. Can you give me 24 more hours, God, on earth? No. It, there will come a time in your life if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior that it will be too late. When's it going to be too late, Brother Jimmy? Well, if you're alive, it ain't too late. But once you die without Christ, then it becomes too late. If you haven't trusted him, don't despise his goodness. Trust in him. Trust in him. Uh, get Second Corinthians chapter 2. And as you turn in there, the Bible says in Luke 13, 3, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So I don't want to perish. I don't want you to perish. You don't want me to perish. We don't want our loved ones to perish. So we better repent. Because the Bible says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But what is repentance? We're going to try to answer that question. Nowadays, it's very popular. I don't know exactly when it got popular. I have some notions. I guess you can say it's always been with us. But over the last four or five decades, this idea of easy believism has grown in popularity. And easy believism comes in some form of there is no repentance involved whatsoever. Easy believism is you don't have to wrestle over anything that I said that God said about you because they won't tell you what God said about you. They will just let you know that you're wonderful and God's wonderful. And if you put those two plans together, everything will be wonderful because Mr. Wonderful loves you and you're Mr. Wonderful. And Say these prayers. Repeat after me. And then they pronounce that person saved. Did that person get saved? No. They create an emotional appeal and get you stirred up. And then they use that against you to get you to walk an aisle and repeat something that you don't want to repeat. And kneel down at a prayer bench or kneel down in a prayer altar and pray something. That you really don't want to pray. It's just that in the moment you were emotionally stirred. And because you cried or because you got upset or because you felt something happen. All that was was your emotions got defrauded. The gospel isn't you cried, got upset about something. And it was at church and now you're saved. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's something that you were trusting in before you came to full faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever it is that you're trusting in, God says you've got to repent. And you've got to put your full faith and trust in him. And you've got to realize that you're a sinner on your way to a devil's hell. And you're as lost as any person you can think of that lives a worse life than you. If it, you cannot get saved without repentance. Easy believism just removes repentance 
And we're going to be developing this thought. We're going to have to do it over a few messages because one message opens up questions that needs to be answered. Jesus preached repentance. We'll move on to the next thought. Uh, he says, uh, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus preached it. John the Baptist, when he showed up for his ministry, first sermon out of his mouth was repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, after Jesus rose from the dead, let's do this. Let's let's try to pick up uh, in Luke chapter 24 and move this thing on. Luke 24. Luke chapter number 24. Jesus during his earthly ministry said repentance should be preached. After Jesus rose from the dead, look at Luke chapter 24. Verse number 39, it says, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. This is Jesus speaking. This is after he has rose from the dead. And by the time we get down to verse number 45, watch what it says. Then open he their understanding that they may understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, watch what he says. Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. John the Baptist preached it. Jesus preached it during his earthly ministry. After Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he is still preaching it even after the resurrection. Uh, I know the next book in your Bible is John, but chronologically, the next book in your Bible after the book of Luke would be the book of Acts, chronologically. So let's go, well, look look at Luke chapter number one. Let me show you something here. Luke one, all the way back. Luke chapter number one, and look at verse number, uh, number three, Luke one, verse three. It seemed good to me also, having a perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. This is Luke writing to, under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, to Theophilus, who'd be instructed in some things in the scripture. That's who he's writing it to. Of course, we glean truth from it as well, but we see what verse one says. Now go to the book of Acts and get Acts chapter number one. Verse number one, Acts chapter number one, verse number one. In Acts one, verse one, it says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus. What was the former treaty? That'd be Luke. <laughs> That'd be the book of Luke. And so now this is, uh, that was first Luke. This is second Luke. Now, it's not, it's Acts, but I'm just saying you to, so you can, Connect the dots on that and piece that together. You have Luke's chronologically and now Acts. And so the book of Acts picks up where the book of Luke left, left, left off. And we saw in, in Luke chapter 24, repentance and remission of sins. Repentance must proceed because the Bible says it does. It precedes remission of sins. So now we're in the book of Acts. And let's go to Acts chapter number two. 
all that was preached about in Luke. All now through Acts 1, we get to Acts number 2. And people want to cherry pick one verse. Watch what it says. Verse number 37, Acts 2, 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. What did they hear? The death, burial, and the resurrection. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I wanted to connect Luke with Acts because you have one treatise, now you have the second treatise. You have the book of Luke, and now Acts picks up where Luke left off. Peter has given them the death. People have given, Peter has given them the burial. Peter has given them the resurrection. All of that has been preached. By the, by the time you get to Acts 2 and in verse number 37, you know what's being given now? It's the invitation. I've heard this. Now they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, wouldn't that be great? If we went door knocking this afternoon and we gave people the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, let them know their condition before God. And instead of saying to them, you know, if you repeat this prayer, I can sign my little logbook here that you were saved and bring it back to the church and we can all celebrate. Or would it be better for them to actually say to you, what must I do? What must I do? New Year's Eve was great because we got to share the gospel with someone. And on the ride home, that person didn't use these exact words, but the same idea was there. What must I do? They got to pull over on the side of the road and that man trusted Jesus Christ. That was Isaiah. Praise God. He got saved. But isn't that much better than trying to talk somebody into something because they're on the spot or whatever it is? And then uh, Peter said unto them, repent. Repent. Repentance isn't the only thing that they need to do. And we're going to get into that at a later point. But it is part of what they have to do. You can't take repentance out. Look at look at Acts 3. I'm going to come back to Acts 2. So keep your finger there. But act, look at Acts 3.19. The Bible says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshment shall come from the presence of the Lord. Repentance precedes the conversion. Repent ye therefore. And be converted. Repentance takes place first. And it precedes. Salvation. But it's there. You can't remove it. People have to repent. And back in Acts chapter 2. And Peter said unto them. Repent. And be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sin. Now if you were in jail. For murder. When you were put in the jail cell, did you become a murderer? Or were you put in the jail cell because you were a murderer? Because of your murderer, you were put in the jail cell. 
If I put you in water, do you become saved? You do not. But because you are saved, I will now put you in water. For the remission of sins. For I am you are you are in jail not to be a murderer. You are not in water to be saved. You are in jail because you already murdered somebody and you're in jail for murder. I put you in water. It's because you've already you've not murdered someone. You've admitted to God that you've hated somebody and you are a murderer. You trusted him. You were saved. And we put you in water because of the fact that you were saved. You can't put the cart before the horse. And we're, I'm trying to get this drawn out in this idea of repentance. Repentance isn't salvation. Repentance precedes salvation. People want to remove repentance. It has to be there. It must be there. The apostle. So Jesus preached repentance. During his earthly ministry. After he rose from the dead. John the Baptist preached repentance. Uh, go to Mark chapter number 12. Mark 12. Uh, Mark 6, rather. Mark 6. Mark 6, look at verse number 7. Mark 6, 7. And he called unto him the 12. So this is the 12 that we're talking about. Began to send them forth by 2 and 2. Now get down to verse number 11. Uh, and whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Somebody slams the door in your face. Somebody don't want to hear what you have to say. When you're door knocking or doing public ministry, just move on. You don't want to start a fight. If they reject the gospel and want to end the conversation, move on. Dust, the, dust, dust off your feet. Dust off your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment. Then for that city. And they went out. Who's that? The 12. And preached that men should. John the Baptist preached it. Jesus preached it. And the 12 apostles preached repentance. Guess what I'm going to preach? Guess what I'm pleading you to preach? Guess what our church is going to preach? Repentance. You've got to repent. You've got to repent. Go to Luke chapter number 17. Draw out something else concerning repentance. In relation to forgiveness. Easy believism. Needs an easy prayerism needs to be real, real careful. That they don't move into this other false doctrine that says, well, God's just going to forgive everybody. He's a God of love. And because of that, he's going to look at my life and I'm not as bad as this guy. He's a loving God. And he's just going to forgive everyone. You know why that's problematic? Well, let's look at it in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter number 17. God offers forgiveness to everyone. We preach repentance. To everyone. We tell people. 
that God commands all men everywhere to repent and that he offers you forgiveness, that he loves you and he died for you. That offer is there to everyone. But it's important that we are careful in how we word things so that we don't get into this idea of, well, God's just a loving God. He's going to forgive everybody. That is not biblical. Acts 17, verse number one, the Bible says, then said he unto his disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him for whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck. And he cast into the sea. Then that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee. Rebuke him. Comma a semicolon. Forgive him. Except if you're looking at the Bible and reading along with me. What did I leave out? And if he repent, forgive him. You see that? If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Forgive him. Repentance precedes forgiveness. Everybody got to hold that? And if he trespassed against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again to thee saying, I what? Repent, thou shalt forgive him. In both of those verses, three and four, what is Jesus saying comes before or precedes forgiveness? Repentance. You must repent. If you want God's forgiveness, it has to be on God's terms, and that is you must repent. It, it, it precedes God's forgiveness in your life. It precedes your salvation. It has to be there. The Bible says so. It has to be there. God will not forgive you until you repent. Now, you're dealing with the brother. You're going to forgive him. Okay. There's a lot of situations where, look, you won't forgive somebody, great. I don't think you should have malice in your heart against somebody. I think you should move on, deal with it with God, move on. But this idea that you can just keep doing things and not have to repent and then kind of expect the person to forgive you, we just need to be careful about these notions. If I do wrong to somebody, biblically, I should go to that person and repent. And we're going to talk about repentance after salvation in another lesson. Um, so let me not open up that can. Let's stay on track. God wants you to repent before he can forgive you. Let's tackle another false notion in Matthew 27. Matthew 27. Matthew chapter 27. Another false notion regarding repentance. And we'll close in Acts 20. So let's get Matthew 27 and Acts chapter 20. Matthew 27 and Acts 20.
Watch this in verse number one of Matthew 27. We'll do that first. When the morning was come, all the chief priests, note that, and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. You know what Judas did? Bible says he repented himself. Watch this. And brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. You know what the problem with Judas's repentance was? What did we see in verse one? Chief priest. What did we see where he went in verse number three? Chief priest. You know what the problem is with some denominations are? They want you to go to a priest. It's the same problem that Judas had. He went to the wrong person to find repentance. He needed to repent of bad repentance is what Judas needed to do. Amen. He went in verse three to the chief priests instead of going to whom? Jesus Christ. He didn't want Jesus Christ. He just felt bad about what he did. And in verse number four, it says, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? Seed out of that, he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. I'm telling you, these Roman Catholic priests that they tell people to go and get their sins forgiven through the priest, they're just as good as hanging themselves. It's spiritual suicide. You will never go to a priest to get your sins forgiven. You can go to Father Whoever and say, Father, I repent of my sins. Can you forgive me? I'm telling you, it's spiritual suicide. You're just hanging yourself. You've got to go to God, not a chief priest. And Judas is one of his many problems was he had false repentance. He had unbiblical repentance. He should have repented of bad repentance. He didn't want to go to Jesus. He wanted to go to a priest. And this is why Acts 20, which is why I asked you to turn there. It's so important that repentance, it must be, must, 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 must be toward God. Must be toward God. Acts 20 verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith. Toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Acts 17. Repentance must be preached. Repentance precedes forgiveness. From, from the Lord. Repentance precedes salvation. It's not the only part. But it is a part. Repentance isn't salvation. But it must be there. And we must preach it. We're going to dive deeper into uh, this, some other thoughts in a different lesson, but let's close in Acts 17. Look at verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the whole city given to idolatry. So what he could do is he can take all the idols, all the egg hunts and all the, you know, the 
the elves and all that stuff. It's designed in the culture and bring it into the church. Uh, or he can take all the music that, you know, they're, they're, they're playing to their idols and bring it into the church. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. And this modern churchianity that's passed off as Christian isn't Christian. It's not Christian when you take what the world does and the idols of the world and bring it into the church. Church is supposed to change people. If you repent, it's supposed to be a change. Not supposed to be the same old stuff. And then watch what happens in verse 17. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met him. Paul's disputing with people. Men. Women. Children. It's okay to dispute. That's what Paul's doing. It's a spiritual battle and a spiritual fight we're in. Verse 22. Watch what Paul does. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. He just calls them right out. And watch what happens. All this disputing is going on. They're not giving an inch. They're contending. They're fighting this spiritual battle. They're not giving an inch and try to finding. Let, let's try to find a way to relate to all your idolatry. He's not. It's a battle. And watch what he tells them. And at the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commendeth all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he had the point of the day. In the which he will judge the world in righteousness. By that man whom he hath ordained. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men. And that he hath raised him from the dead. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead. Some mocked and others said. We will hear again of this matter. Do you see the despising? Right back to Romans chapter 2 verse number 4. They despised the goodness. All part of the gospel being good news. Is that Christ rose from the dead. Yet they despise it. That rich man in Luke 16. Someone rose from the dead. They don't care. They're going to despise it. He contended. He didn't back down an inch. And he told them. If you don't repent. You're done. You're done. When we preach. We need to be careful we don't leave out repentance. Now, next Sunday, Lord willing, we're going to look at the other ditch on the other side of easy prayerism, easy believism. We're gonna we're gonna try to unpack uh, lordship salvation a bit, and this idea of repenting of your sins. We're gonna get an understanding of what that means, and if that's biblical. So that'll be coming up next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.